Hi there, everybody, and welcome back to Don't Praise the Machine. My name is Alexander Holland, and I'm sat next to my number one pod penguin digitally, John Maloney. And Johnny, you're all that I want when you're lying here in my arms. (laughs) I'm finding it hard to believe we're at episode 77. (laughs) Very good. And podding is all that I need. And I found it here in my mic. It isn't too hard to see. We're at episode 77. Yes. That really reminds me of the year 12 formal. Must have been played there. I can't remember. I think it was, my, I think my, it was the slow dance song. Yeah. I think my girlfriend at the time, I think it was this song, might have been just a very similar one, said to me something like, this song summarizes our relationship. And I was like pouring over the lyrics, trying to understand what the hell she meant. <laughs> and I never could. Oh, thinking about our younger years. Yeah, exactly. you, were, you were like 17. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a special version of Heaven sent in by Canadian singer songwriter Brian Adams, recorded in 1983. It actually first appeared. Uh, on a soundtrack of a film called A Night in Heaven. I think it was actually wow. written for a soundtrack. It was so good mm. that it was then later released on Brian Adams' album Reckless hmm. in 1984. We could probably do a whole episode about songs that had that kind of provenance that then became great songs in their own right. Yeah, throwaway soundtrack songs that then ended up being mm. so good that you forgot the movie but you remembered the song. Yeah, Everything I Do, I Do It For You is much more, again, speaking of Brian, yeah, that's much more popular than that movie, surely. Nobody, it was mm. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Nobody's watching <laughs> that. that. where it came from? Yeah. Wow. That, that was a, uh, yeah. Far out. Look into my eyes. He was talking about everything I do, re- redistributing wealth, I do it for you, Maid Marian. <laughs> <laughs> So, John, something that I've been doing for the last week, because I'm just trying to ostracize myself socially as much (laughs) as I possibly can, and that means basically any YouTube video that I find that says, I quit this for 30 days and I can't believe what happened next. (laughs) I'm just doing them all. I just do them all at once. I'm cold. I mean, this isn't a quitting one, but I'm cold showering. You're still doing that? Uh, Yeah, I'm cold showering. I am, uh, I'm not drinking a lot of booze at the moment. And then the other thing I'm trying this week is I've quit caffeine for oh, a week. Wow. And that's been, that's been quite interesting because I thought I could just stop and the next day I'd feel, all I would feel is, oh, it'd be nice to have a coffee. Yeah. But no, 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 no. That is not what happened. Mm. I had really bad, well, not really bad, but I had headaches for- yeah. Up until about yesterday, I've been doing it for a week, just gentle headaches. Apparently the reason for that is that caffeine causes blood vessels in the brain to constrict, which slows blood flow. And so then when you stop, since caffeine, this is from healthline.com, since caffeine consumption causes blood vessels to narrow, reducing or stopping intake allows blood vessels to open up and increase Mm. blood. So I just got too much blood now just pouring through my brain like a waterfall of brain blood. (laughs) Just picture that, everybody. (laughs) Your synapses are really firing. 
Oh, it's, I've gone up 27% in brain electricity because of yeah. all my brain blood. Yeah. And, uh, and I was also quite fatigued for the first few days. And of the course. reason for that is that uh, the reason that caffeine increases alertness is because it blocks. So it doesn't give you energy. It just blocks a receptor, blocks the receptors for adenosine, a neurotransmitter okay. that can make you feel drowsy. So it basically blocks the drowsy receptor. Hmm. And boy, were my drowsy receptors blocked <laughs> for years. My my brain wasn't getting no adenosine yeah. for probably since I was about 16 years old. <laughs> you just you just had microscopic blood vessels desperately trying to get a few drops to your brain and then all your drowsy receptors were, were <laughs> half dead. Now my drowsy receptors, uh, the gates have opened, the floodgates have opened and I'm drowsy all the time. How much coffee were you drinking? Probably two or three cups a day, max three. Mm-hmm. And I'd usually have them by midday, Yeah, but I've given a real stop. So I'm just going to see huh. what happens. I'm just going to see what happens to me. I just want to learn about my body. I'm a growing <laughs> young boy. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like your drowsy a, receptors still have some work to do. Um, <laughs> I'm a growing boy and I want to learn about my body. So I'm stopping that coffee. I That's see. the rhyme we were taught at school. <laughs> learn about your body. Stop, stop that, that coffee. coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, interesting. I, um, got, I've gotten down to about one cup a day. And after that, I'll just switch to decaf, which I like because I love the taste and experience of coffee. But, um, uh, yeah, I was just finding it was giving me a bit of kind of reflux and other things, which I didn't need. And uh, sometimes when I have a stressful day as well, I find that my body's natural deep sense of panic carries me through and I don't need... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't need to augment that with synthetic or nutritional supplements. We'll see how we'll see how long we last. What's your what is your, what would um I mean if you were kind of feeling much the same in another couple of months do you think you'd start back up or do you mm. think you'd I don't know. I have this idea of my best self. Yeah. And that person doesn't drink alcohol and doesn't drink coffee, mm-hmm. you know, basically just real leveled out emotionally. Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, basically giving yourself the best chance of waking up in the morning and giving yourself the best chance of having had a good sleep mm. and not being anxious mm. and a range of other benefits. That's what I see. So I'm, I'm sure that eventually I just keep doing this until I just become a floating vapor of enlightenment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean that's one model, isn't it? That's how you'll know is you'll do the podcast and you'll yeah. the 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 video window will open and there'll just be a blue cloud hovering in front of the microphone. <laughs> and it'll and be I'll going, be- Hi everybody, welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> and I'll be trying to get you to like spark up about a particular topic and you'll just be saying, I don't know, some people feel different <laughs> differently about it and I love them just as much. Like <laughs> Well, that's that's good for you, but it doesn't make for a good content.
Now, there have been a couple of significant events during the week, one of which, which we might get to, is the passing of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. But the other, of course, is the Emmys, which took place a couple of nights ago by Australian time. And I wondered to myself immediately when they happened, has it already been a year since the much-discussed slap, but no, that was an Oscars <laughs> event. So it's still only six months uh, since that happened. And to my great disappointment, there was no there was no spontaneous slappery at the Emmys. Uh, um, nobody resorted to physical violence to defend the honour of their spouses. I don't know what the world's coming to, but uh, <laughs> I think maybe Will Smith wasn't present. Um, but... <clears throat> But there were some interesting results, as there always are, some interesting outfits and speeches and interviews and goss. And one of the things that's been talked about a bit is the acceptance speech of an actress who I actually didn't really know anything about, although when I read up about her, I'd seen her in a few things, Cheryl, yeah. Cheryl Lee Ralph. And she, yeah, she was, she was she in The Fresh Prince for a season... I think she was in The Fresh Prince for a season. She was in uh, one of the Sister Act movies. Yeah, and I I know her because she was a pop singer too and she has this one song that I love, which is mm. called In the Evening, and you've reminded me actually. I'm going to play it next time I DJ out. Uh, yeah, Cheryl Lee Ralph. Cheryl Lee Ralph. And um, she won an award, I think, for Best Supporting Actress in a Comedy. And I might double-check that actually. Do you know what it was? The comedy. Oh man, this song is so good. I gotta sing. You love this song. It's yeah. so good. Cheryl Lee Ralph in the evening. It must be from like '83. Uh huh. Okay. She won. <clears throat> yeah, she's 65, I think. Okay. And she won an award for supporting actress in a comedy series. That comedy series was a show called Abbott Elementary, which I have not seen. Okay. And uh, she. She was very emotional. She was overcome with emotion and she she came to the microphone and she sung a song okay. by way of accepting her award, <laughs> which was called Endangered Species and the song was by Di- Diane Reeves. Okay. And then she, so she gave, she, you know, she straight away kind of took a deep breath, belted out this song and she does have a fucking amazing voice. Yeah. And then she said to anyone who has ever, ever had a dream and thought your dream wouldn't or couldn't come true, I'm here to tell you that this is what believing looks like. These are, this is a quote from her okay. speech. This is what striving looks like and don't you ever, ever give up on you. And she went on in that kind of register. Yeah. And I don't know. I know I'm meant to be inspired by it. That's what all the articles <laughs> were telling me to think about it. <laughs> and, and maybe I'm just a prick. A lot of people tell me that, but just interjects. <laughs> Telling me I'm just a joyless curmudgeon and I need to be, need to be inspired, but <laughs> by Cheryl, by Cheryl. But uh, to me, it was fairly over the top, a bit on the nose, as we say. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, she like it's a big thing to win an Emmy, rising to the top of a very competitive profession. That's a that's something that anyone should be proud of, and I don't know what. Uh, obstacles Cheryl Lee Ralph may have overcome to get there. Mm. That name for starters, exactly. And uh, <laughs> and but but then I think you know it's just fucking acting. 
Like everyone, <laughs> everyone who is accepting an award gives this speech <laughs> that seems to paper over the fact that they are actors. It seems to suggest that they are somehow the victors in a in a revolution, like they're freedom fighters or something like that. The way they the way they carry on, you just would think that they are at the very epicenter of everything that is effective and meaningful in terms of <laughs> social change and social progress. <laughs> and and I'm not singling out Cheryl Lee by any means. I think, uh, it, but it reminded me of uh, a speech that George Clooney gave in 2006 for, yeah. I think he won the Oscar then for Syriana. And it was also quite an influential cultural event at that time, that speech, because he said this, he said, I would say that we are a little bit out of touch in Hollywood every once in a while. And I think it's probably a good thing. We're the ones who talked about AIDS when it was just being whispered. And we Uh, talked about civil rights when it wasn't really popular. And we, you know, this group of people gave Hattie McDaniel an Oscar in 1939 when blacks were still sitting in the backs of theatres. I pause to note that. Uh, Hattie McDaniel was required to sit in a segregated table at the back of the room when she accepted her Oscar. But in any event, he says, I'm proud to be part of this community, proud to be part of this academy and proud to be out of touch. And uh, that spawned... Oh, I don't remember that. Uh, that, that spawned a bit of uh, backlash because people were saying, man, this is kind of peak self-congratulatory Hollywood. And the the... Makers of South Park made an episode, which was about a, a deadly cloud of smug that was drifting over the South Park, and the cloud kept saying things like "Hollywood is ahead of the curve" and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, ten years later, DiCaprio accepts an award for The Revenant. Good, for, good film, yeah. in my view. But. Uh, you know, and of course he talks about climate change and he says, mm. rightly says it's an urgent threat, but he said somewhat amusingly in my view, our production needed to move to the southern tip of this planet just to be able to find snow. Now, I don't think it got so warm that there was no snow. I think it was probably <laughs> summer in the northern hemisphere, so they went to the southern hemisphere. But in any event, he went on to say that, you know, we shouldn't take the planet for granted and the revenant was about human beings connection to nature and so that's that's what we're fighting for we're fighting for climate change and in part i i think well fine you know you're trying to use your platform for something worthwhile and good on you but also you are kind of self-aggrandizing and you're obscuring the fact that you are just reading a script and you know you're in a movie good be in a movie yeah. i like i like movies but you know <laughs> you know you're not you're not a revolutionary and uh and then yeah it also reminded me of a of a when Ricky Gervais had his stint hosting the Emmys a couple of years ago i wonder if if his presence acted as a bit of a dampener against speeches of that kind because he he gave a speech where he said that uh, Apple had roared onto the scene with a new with a new TV show called The Morning Show, which he described as a superb drama about the importance of dignity and doing the right thing made by a company that runs sweatshops in China. <laughs> yes. and, uh, <laughs> and then he said to the audience, basically, you people work for all these, you know, megalith companies and you'd work for fucking ISIS if they had a streaming platform and <laughs> That's right. <clears throat> and you know, don't don't come up here and talk to anyone about 
the real world because you don't understand it and just just accept your award and fuck off. And uh, and I, <laughs> I watched that again recently and I can't believe that he said it. Like it was so abrasive and kind of so, you know, like right on the border of a joke as opposed to something that was genuinely felt by him, which clearly it was. So, yeah, that's been my kind of mixed feelings about the Emmys this week. What do you think about all that? I just feel a little bit sad for Cheryl Lee Ralph that she's 65 years old and what her girl her her girlhood dream was to win an Emmy. I'm just thinking <laughs> of all the experiences that she's had in her life. Yeah. That react that reaction makes it sound like Yeah. Ever since she was a little girl, she just thought nothing in life is important except winning an Emmy. Exactly. I didn't even know the fucking Emmys were on this week. <laughs> they, 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 they play such little role in my life. Yeah. And I don't know, if somebody if somebody in my life who I cared about and had spent a lot of time with, I don't know, if they then got to 65 mm. and got up on an Emmy stage that, and were just like, I this is the absolute most, oh my God, dreams. <laughs> so what kind of life have you, what have you been doing yeah. for the rest of the time, Cheryl Lee Ralph? Haven't you internalized anything about the fact that happiness is not achieved by <laughs> fixation on external recognition? Uh, Cheryl but I, Lee. But I think that's the thing. I think they are often personalities. I mean, we forget that actors are really just the annoying kids from drama class who succeeded. And uh, yeah, it's and true. A lot of them are probably people who are a bit fixated on external validation. That's just. For whatever reason, that's their kind of psychological model. And, yeah, it's it's strange, isn't it? Because you think, you know, I mean, that was, there, was, there was also like a famous Oscar speech that Sally Field gave a few years ago. Oh, me, yeah. Where she was saying, I can't believe you like me. and You of, like me? You yeah. really? I, yeah. Which was kind of, I think, hamming it up. But it was kind of that, it was the ultimate expression of that feeling of, you know, um, this feels great because... I've been recognised by this academy that clearly has a lot of competing interests at play and, you know, is not necessarily the one barometer of merit that, you know. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. So congratulations to Cheryl Lee Ralph. I think that's where I was going with that. <laughs> yeah, and I want to say song tip of the week, mm. Cheryl Lee Ralph, In the Evening. Check the 12-inch mix. It's from 1984. It's a kind of Italo disco Jam hmm. and uh, man, it's a it's it's a big big it's a big song. I hmm. want everybody to check it out. And we congratulate you, Cheryl Lee Ralph. If you <laughs> ask me, Cheryl Lee Ralph, absolutely the best thing you've ever done is in the evening. Forget that song. Forget about that at Emmy. <laughs> you peaked in 1984, <laughs> and that's all right with me. <laughs> <laughs> So, John, unless you've been living under a rock, <laughs> you'd know that the Queen of England died this week. Yeah. And it's a sad time. We're going to miss her so much. <laughs> she made it to, how old did she get? 
96. 96. Pretty good. Liz, we're going to miss you so much. You made it to 96. She Mm -hmm. was ever present in my life. I couldn't open my fucking wallet without seeing that face staring back Mm, at me my entire life. I couldn't flip a coin. I couldn't flip a coin. Yeah. Couldn't play a game of two up. You couldn't play a game of two up without that head coming right at you. I liked I liked <laughs> yeah. it when she started getting older on the coins. You know, you, yeah. there was you, we got young Liz, mm. and then as she started to age, you got a little bit of that sag Liz, which I liked. I preferred my saggier 10-cent piece. Yeah, it's true. I was in Canada recently, and of course, you know, I was at the airport and you get some currency out. And I thought, who's this on the, you know, it's sort of, it was... <laughs> It was sort of weird. I was like, well, I'm in Canada. Why is Queen Elizabeth on the money? And then I thought, well, that's, yeah, it's obviously no more absurd than her being on our money. But uh, is she still, is she still on the Jamaican money? I don't know. I don't, that's a good question. That would be ridiculous. They should have, <laughs> I mean, they should have fucking Haile Selassie. Oh my yeah. God, she is. Wow. Unless these are, unless these are old notes. That's mad. <laughs> it's so weird. Bank of Jamaica and it's got her fucking face on it. Yeah. Why isn't Haile, they should have Haile Selassie. Or at least Selassie Bob, Bob Marley. Yeah, they should have Bob Marley and they should have Usain, Usain Bolt. Yeah. In fact, they should just have all all heroes of reggae and dub should be on there. King Tubby. Mm. He should be Scratch on there. Scratch Perry. Lee Scratch Perry. Good one, mm. John. You're an old dub head. <laughs> I was just listening to some of his, his work today. Oh, no shit. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm, I'm going to go on my kind of anti-monarchy tirade on a different podcast. We'll keep it light this week. Sure. And I'll just say that I didn't realize it. So everybody's going past a coffin today. This is the yeah. big thing. They've got her lying in state. Yeah, that's um, right. In a, in a state of... Death, I guess. That state that she's in. Yeah, I don't know what that phrase means, to be honest with I you. I looked it up today. Lying in state means that you're put in a state building for oh, the public. I see. Yeah, lying okay. in state. Mm. Um, I was surprised. There's no open casket. It's okay. It's closed. I huh. assumed that it was in, with, with all the fanfare, mm. I assumed that it would be, and with people saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to line up for 12 years to, to see her. <laughs> yeah. You sent me an article of people, these girls who'd come over from Connecticut to yeah madness to see to walk past to walk to, past the closed coffin yeah I mean what are you not sure what they're getting from that experience and I don't want to <laughs> be divisive some people who listen to this podcast I'm sure have affection for the queen staunch and, monarchists and we on. have the the aggregate our our podcast app. In the in the uh, analytics, says yeah. that we have eighty three percent staunch monarchists it's true. in the audience. It's true. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a happy accident that we've ended up <laughs> we've ended up with a lot of like t- royal watcher types who are <laughs> mad DPTM fans. All the people that they pull out of the woodwork when they want to know, you know, what happens, what's happened between Harry and Will, they're all mad DPTMers. I don't know why. I don't know where the Venn diagram <laughs> sits there. But yeah, so no. I thought that was I thought that was a total rip off. Like mm. no open casket. What mm. What are you doing? What's could, going on here? Could be nothing in there or it anyone. Could be. That's one of the conspiracy theories that's, <laughs> that's popping around. Of course. 
Yeah. She's faked her own death. What about you? How did you, how many, how did you feel? How did you feel? Well, yeah, I too want to keep it light. So I won't go into, (laughs) I won't go into the fact that she, you know, used taxpayers' money to pay for her son's uh, child (laughs) sex conviction to go, or or impending child sex conviction to go away. Just a gentle Um, 12 million pounds. Just a gentle 12 million pounds. I won't go into the fact that she actively supported the suppression of decolonization efforts in Kenya or (laughs) what was going on in Northern Ireland. Uh, We don't need to talk about that. We probably don't need to talk about the fact that she lobbied for uh, lobbied against changes in the law that would have exposed her family's clandestine wealth and connections. Um, <laughs> any of that? That's not this would. That's that not would what be, today's about. No, that's not what today's about. Um, for me, it's been an interesting experience because I work in the justice yeah. system. Maybe you can just yeah. Maybe you can just explain for our international audience, in particular, John, how the Australian. Mm judicial system is connected to Britain and in a weird way, the monarchy. Yeah, it is connected to both. You're right, in a strange way. I mean, we've certainly inherited in the colonial system uh, the British justice system and until quite recently, until our lifetimes, there was a direct right of appeal to the Privy Council in England. So you could have a legal dispute in Australia which could be ultimately decided by British judges, which is pretty bizarre. Wow. Um, and uh, that's now, that link is now severed and the highest court in Australia is the High Court of Australia. Uh, we don't mince words here. And, um, but we still have, you know, the kind of all of the, all of the way that the justice system operates is a function of our British colonial history and the fact that I have to go and wear silly gowns and a jabbo <laughs> and everything. That's all, that's all thanks to the English um, Inns of Court in London. And, uh, and we have QCs as well, which yes. are basically or, or otherwise known as silks, who are, I guess, senior members of the bar, senior barristers um, who have been given that title and they are all QCs, which stands for, well, in fact, they're not all QCs. They, there's a, I won't go, I won't bore people with too much kind of inside baseball stuff about this, but they were all QCs. And then a few years ago, somebody said, hey, we're Australia, we, we shouldn't be Queen's Council, we should just be Senior Council. Ah. So uh, they said, okay, well, why don't we have SCs? And then people said, no, um, I like the ring of QCs. And ever since I was a boy watching... Uh, Rumpole of the Bailey. I've I've wanted to yeah. uh, be a QC. So now they've got this strange situation. Or Charles Bud Tingwell in the castle. Exactly. Now they've got this strange situation where you can choose at the point that you're given that bestowed that title. You can choose whether you want to be a QC or an SC. And it's huh. it's for some people a kind of sig- signifier of politics. Like if you're a Republican, if you don't want a mon- uh. if you don't want us to have any connection to the monarchy, you choose SC. So maybe if you're a bit more progressive um, and if you just, you know, don't care or you're not so inclined, you can be a QC. And now uh, the Queen has passed and the the Victorian bar, anticipating that this may happen at some point, received advice from a QC on what happens when the Queen dies because we can't all be Queen's Council because she's gone. So mm. do we just revert to King's Council and how does that all work? So we got an email 
the day after she passed away, uh, or, or the, I think she passed away kind of overnight in Australian time and then mm. about quarter past nine that morning, we all got an email saying, don't worry, guys, we've looked into it. Everyone is automatically. Don't panic. Don't panic. It's not like the millennium bug where you're all just you're all just illegally practicing law. <laughs> and all the courts just you go, it's just a pile of rubble. Um, <laughs> it's fine. You're all just automatically KCs now. Yeah, and then we got KC. And then we got this fairly it well look probably shouldn't be saying this but it was a fairly nauseating email for somebody like me to read from the from the uh, leadership at the bar saying that we salute the queen of australia her majesty queen elizabeth ii which is always a very odd phrase queen of australia yeah and and it said that she served the people of australia and its <laughs> institutions including the law in whose name justice is carried out with perfect dedication to service, fidelity, dignity, and grace. And I would defy you and our listeners to find a more vacuous uh, sentiment than that. <laughs> I can, or indeed defy you to find a concrete example of how she served the people of Australia. But that's just one person's view. I'm not sure what she's done for us in, in her reign, but uh, I guess she hasn't deliberately interfered with Australia and I'm very grateful for that. And I'm also very grateful that my subscription fees as a barrister went to an advice on when QCs become KCs. It's all, <laughs> it's a healthy system. John, I've got a social challenge for you. I know you love these. Oh, yeah. Things, you know, the main one being to try and inject as much Gen Z speech into your <laughs> daily speech, especially meeting new people, throwing a lot of no caps, a mm. lot of bet, a lot, a, <laughs> a lot of facts, mm -hmm. a lot of on God. I've been doing it and I've... And my social life has suffered, but I'm, I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> and now the second one, this is something that I've spoken to you about before, but I don't think I've, we've spoken about it in a few years and it came up in my mm -hmm. life the other day and I started giggling at it. And that is, uh, I would like you to start telling jokes or, or, or throwing out little jokes there and you need to preface each joke by either the phrase, now that's what I call, or... <laughs> Talk about, and then you say, <laughs> and, then, and then you say what you're gonna say. Yeah. So, so, um, and the reason this came up is because I knew somebody some years ago who did this, and I think I called you straight away, and I was like, Have "You noticed that so and so does this thing where he says, or she, yeah, says, now that's what I. So basically, just to give everybody an example." So let's let's say <laughs> that, that that you're with a group of people and you, mm -hmm. and you, you you've gone out to dinner mm -hmm. and the the waiter comes over and he he serves your meal and there's a lot of food on the plate it's a big mm -hmm. old plate of food and everyone has goes oh there's a lot of food on the plate everyone giggles and then 
the chatter just dies down for a second and then somebody at the table says, now that's what I call a generous portion sign. <laughs> yeah, classic. Classic bit of conversational lubrication. Yeah, it's, it's also interchangeable with talk about. You could say, mm. talk about a generous portion sign. Talk about sign. a decent-sized steak. <laughs> <laughs> and so this is what I want you to do, John, is next time you're just with a group of friends... <laughs> And somebody ends a story mm. and then you you kind of take the meat of the story and you throw in a little, now that's what I, and you wait for a few seconds. And then maybe I'm kind of picturing you like leaning into the circle and making eye contact with everyone and then saying, <laughs> dropping your, sho- dropping your shoulder down. saying, yeah. And then sort of pointing your finger and going, <clears throat> now that's what I call getting out of a sticky situation. <laughs> I'd love that. <laughs> you might you might go <laughs> talk about taking things a little bit too literally. <laughs> That's perfect. I've got a I've got a house party this Saturday and I'm gonna be ripping Just that out all day. Tag tag everybody's anecdotes with that. <laughs> Just do it. Do it every single every time somebody f- finishes a joke or a story and everybody laughs. You just hop in yeah. with a little bit of, now that's what I call. <laughs> <laughs> now that's what I call getting out of bed on the wrong side. <laughs> it's, I like it because it feeds into one of your, what I know is your pet peeves, which is like <laughs> when something has, when, when rather than just letting a punchline lie, somebody feels yeah. the need to kind of flog a dead horse. and, and also to piggyback on your story. Exactly. Associate it with themselves by... By saying, yeah, I mean, not, not now that's what I call is a good way to do that because you're sort of saying, <laughs> yeah, now back to me. I'm part of this as well. <laughs> <laughs> and to our listeners out there, write us in with a couple mm. of your, try it out. Try it out at a work function. Yeah. Uh, and let us know how it goes. Throw in a couple of, <laughs> now that's what I call, insert <laughs> tag here. <laughs> Talk about. I might. I might work it into some legal submissions, see how it goes in that con. <laughs> Talk about legally unreasonable, Your Honor. <laughs> or you could yeah, or you could or you could kind of shake your head and roll your eyes <laughs> at your op- at your opposition and just go, oh, yeah, now that's what I call Yeah, now that's what I call a spurious argument. <laughs> So, Al, I've been, ever since I lived in Melbourne, and in fact, ever since I've been visiting Melbourne as an adult, I've been encountering this particular street art, Ah. which usually consists of these very expressive heads and faces. You might remember them from your travels around Melbourne. Usually they often have kind of pronounced teeth and protruding tongues and they're kind of wild expressions and they're quite large-scale Faces and I, I really like them. They're sort of full of personality and they have this this sort of dark quality to them, but also they're quite funny. And for years I've wondered who is behind these pieces of work. And somebody recently put up on Instagram a photo of one of the pieces and 
fortunately for me, tagged the artist, who it turns out is a guy ah. called Mick Porter. And uh, and I noticed that Mick, I started following him on Instagram and then he started following me on Instagram and he liked our, he liked my post relating to Don't Praise the Machine. So it's possible that he's um, become a new listener. I'd love that to be true, but I, I made use of one of the Dutchies hot tips that you've given on a previous episode okay. concerning reach out, what you referred to as reach out hygiene. I thought, <laughs> I thought I want to send, which I loved because it's such a strange phrase. And I said, I wanted to, I wanted to tell Mick, you know, that I'd enjoyed his work and that his, his pieces were kind of synonymous to me, to me with Melbourne. And, and it turned out he was born like we're we're basically the same age, so it's probably okay. it's probably the the case that I've just always associated them with Melbourne because from the time he's been putting them up, basically that's the span of my adult life. So, um, you know, as soon as I started kind of paying attention to my surroundings in Melbourne and that kind of work, uh, I was noticing these these pieces. So I sent him a message saying, you know, basically that that that, uh, but I I in accordance with your instructions, I kept it brief. I didn't kind of prattle on for too long. I didn't <laughs> ask him any direct questions or demand anything from him. Um, and he sent back a lovely message just saying it was chuffed to hear from me and thanks very much. And then, as I say, he started following me on, or I think before that, in fact, he'd followed me on Facebook. So, so Mick, if you're listening, love your work and, uh, <laughs> you know, a friend of the show. And I have to say, I, I talked a couple of episodes ago about my burgeoning love of golden era hip hop. And mm -hmm. the other day I was on a train going past Macaulay Station in North Melbourne, which is a fairly uh, gritty area of the city. There's these huge old warehouses and factories. And of course, with that comes uh, large scale street art. So there's lots of pieces on them and murals. And I thought for the first time in my life, I thought, man, maybe I want to have a crack at that. That'd be fun. At street art? Yeah, then I thought, why? I thought, what's happening to me? I, have I got, have I got some very specific form of dementia where I've just suddenly become fixated on the traditional tenets of hip hop culture? Um, and uh, and because I would never, John's developed a terrible case of flyism. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Because I would never have predicted that a symptom of my midlife crisis would be a sudden desire to listen to golden era hip hop and do graffiti. <laughs> but Mick, if you're listening, I'd love a couple of lessons on how to get started. Um, <laughs> so we can we can go down to Macaulay Station, <laughs> you know, take the last train and just hang out there and um, then have a crack at my first piece. Do a piece and then put a mat down with a boombox, try yeah. a couple wind, windmills and flares. <laughs> boo, boo, ka, ka, boo, boo, ka. <laughs> I think but for my first piece, I would just do in sort of green slime letters, I would just write the word schplag on the, big of, <laughs> on the side of a big warehouse. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on this week's episode of Don't Praise the Machine. Um, 
John Maloney, and as always, I've appeared digitally next to my number one pod pilot, Barry Chandler-Bowles. We've loved talking to you about the Emmys. And we congratulate Cheryl Lee Ralph on her win for Best Supporting Actor in a Comedy. We've loved talking to you about Al's quest to quit that dark master, dark master caffeine. And we wish him the best. Good luck to you, Al. We've loved talking to you about the death of Her Majesty the Queen, Queen of England, Queen of Australia. We salute you. We've loved talking to you about Melbourne graffiti artist Mick Porter. Thanks, Mick. I look forward to those tutorials in the near future. And a Shout out to all the don't praises out there. I just want to encourage anyone living in Australia to get your tax returns in. I know it's only mid-September, but your tax returns are going to be due at the end of October and you can bet your accountant's going to have some unanticipated inquiries. So time's going to fly. There's a lot of adulation heaped on frontline healthcare workers, but I think people often forget about the tireless number crunches in this country out there every day polishing the deck of the sinking ship of late-stage capitalism. So number crunches, we salute you. Thanks so much, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Ah, the podcast.